Hi, I'm Linda Barzikowski. I'm a certified lay minister and lay leader of the 1115 service. If this is your first time here, be sure to get a welcome bag from the Connection site or the Welcome and Information Center. I hope everyone will fill out their friendship card that you find in the bulletin. If you have any updated information, please be sure to fill out the card with your address and phone number. If you'd like to receive the newsletter, we ask that you do the same. On the back, there's a section for prayer requests, blessings, or notes to the staff. If you'd like them to stay confidential, we can do that too. We hope that you enjoy the service and have a wonderful day. together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you this day. We ask that your spirit would be here among us and in us, that you would lead us and guide us in the worship so that it would all be pleasing to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
and also with you. Please be seated. This Super Bowl, 140 million people will tune in to watch the big game, while 50 million Americans are facing hunger. That's over 500 stadiums filled with people in need. And there's another need, a need to move beyond ourselves, to pull together to make a difference. Tapping the energy around the big game, Super Bowl of Caring mobilizes ordinary people to do extraordinary good in their local communities. Super Bowl of Caring was started with the youth pastor's prayer. Lord, even as we enjoy the Super Bowl football game, help us be mindful of those who are without a bowl of soup to eat. What is Super Bowl of Caring? Super Bowl of Caring is you. It's everyone who strives to make a difference. It's a timeless way to address the current needs of your local community. And we have a lot of work to do. With 140 million of us tuning into the Super Bowl, what if we all decided to work together to serve our communities? We could make incredible plays in the fight against hunger and poverty in this country. One dollar, one can at a time. Be generous if you can be with that. You'll see the, the fish fry sign-ups going around. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. And we need all the help we can get. And we need other folks just to come and enjoy the dinner as well. This morning, I'd like to ask if there's anybody that has a praise that they would like to share. Something good that God has been doing in your life this week. Pastor Lisa has one. Good. A wedding is always a good thing. Are there others that would like to offer up praise to God today? Yes. Good. So you're... <laughs> So she's walking better and feeling better and doesn't have that pain in her, in her leg and her hip. That's good. Praise God for that. Yes, Kevin. Uh, I'd just really like to praise God for the uh, last month when this church had their in-house uh, overnight, youth retreat overnight. Uh, it's really been yeah. helpful for our youth group, preparing us for the youth group and a lot more to do. We've seen a lot of spiritual growth this year, uh, big time. And that That's really awesome. That's great. That's great. I'm, I'm so glad that your youth can come and be with our youth here and learn together about their faith and grow. That's awesome. Anyone else that wants to praise God for something? Yes. So your coworker is healing, and we'll give God praise for that as well. He has made us in a marvelous way so that our bodies do heal so many times. All right. 
As you consider everything that you're thankful for, won't you prepare your gifts, tithes, and offerings for the Lord? We do give you praise and thanks for all that you've done for us, and we offer back a small portion of your blessings so that you might bless others. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you be seated? This morning I have a couple of people that I would like to lift up, and then I'll open up the concerns to you as well. We want to be in prayer for Ellie Drake, who is in the hospital right now. She, her COPD is acting up, and so we're praying that they'll be able to get her breathing a little bit better and she'll be feeling better. And also for Ernie Rose, who had heart surgery a couple of weeks ago and has had 
a few complications, but they're hoping to move him into rehab at the hospital uh, today or tomorrow. So please keep those people in your prayers. And who else would you like to lift up this morning? Lois, Lois had an aneurysm. Oh, she's in a coma. All right, we'll pray for her. Lois. Yes. For Betty Geminder. She's in rehab and doing okay. In the back. An emergency appendectomy. Who? A coworker. Thank you. Kelly. Oh, good. Anita's doing better after her surgery. Good. Good. Glad to hear that. Anyone else that you'd like to lift up? Pastor Lisa. Thank you. Yes. I, I have a friend who, her daughter has cystic fibrosis and is, got accepted for a lung transplant, but she's still really ill. So okay. I'm praying that she can make it to her lung transplant. Right. So Jan's friend's daughter that needs a lung transplant, and they're hoping that's going to happen, but they've got to get her stronger first. So pray for her strength. All in, all done? Well, let's pray together then. O oh, gracious and holy one, it's so awesome to be in your presence, to know that you are always there and yet you hear us when we call to you, especially when we call to you as a group of brothers and sisters in Christ. You hear that there are so many people struggling, especially with physical problems, and we ask God that your healing touch would be on each one. For those that maybe need surgery or are still trying to recover, for those who have illnesses that are pulling them down and need special attention, for all of us as we wander through this life and we wonder sometimes where you're leading us, show us clearly, Lord, and guide us so that we might know the direction to follow. We pray, Lord, that you would Touch each of our hearts that you would open us up to your word this morning. Help us to hear what you have to say to us. Help us to take it into our hearts and then to live it out in your world. We pray for the leadership of our church. So many important decisions being made over the next few months. And we know, Lord, that sometimes we struggle trying to know exactly what we should do. The bishop and the cabinet is 
setting up appointments, and we pray, Lord, that you would put exactly the right pastor into every church the way it needs to be done. And Lord, be with our church as it continues to struggle with important issues. Help us to discern your will in all of this and to follow it. And gracious God, be with this church especially. We love this church, Lord, and we love the people here, and we know that you are blessing us in so many different ways, and we ask that you would continue to bless us so that we might reach more hearts for Jesus Christ. Lord, speak to our hearts this day. Help us to know what to do. Help us to know how to act. Help us to love you and to love one another the way that we're supposed to, with an unselfish and a steadfast love. Be with us as we continue worship, and may your heart find everything that we do pleasing and honoring you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we prepare now to hear the word of Scripture as it's read? morning. Scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 17 verses 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. So we're in the middle of a sermon series about what it means to be the church. And when I first thought of that, I was like, what does it mean to be the church? The first thing that popped into my mind was that little children's finger poem. You put your fingers like this. Do you all know this one? It's like, here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors. Look at all the people. Y'all, nobody else knows that one? <laughs> I was like, I know this one. <laughs> but, you know, really, as cute as that is, it's really not what the church is, because that impi- implies that the church is the building. And the church is not the building, even though we kind of talk about it like that. We talk about it as in, like, I'm going to church. I'm, I, I attended church. But church is not the building. Church, it, it's actually, the word is a Greek word, Ekklesia, which means a calling out and a gathering. 
So it's a calling out of God's people to gather together God's people. So church is you, church is me. It reminded me of that old camp song, the church is not a building, the church is not a steeple, the church is not a resting place, the church is a people. So sing along with me if you know it. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. Yeah, so we as a community of believers are the church. Each one of us together, living together into the body of Christ with who each and every one of us is as a unique person, as a unique individual created by God, and as a person relationally because of God's love for us. Why do we do it relationally? Because of God's love for us. Jesus loved us, and so we love each other. And Jesus' entire life modeled it and taught it. Jesus was love. God is love. And Jesus throughout was saying, this is what you're doing, guys. This is what God's message is. You're supposed to love one another, love one another, be in community with one another, be in relationship with one another. And so we get to this scripture. And this scripture is taken at the apex of the story. It takes all of Jesus' life, and it's right now in the upper room. And it is in the transitional point between communion and the cross. So in this room alone, we have Jesus with his disciples. And he's still teaching and modeling. So what he does is he goes and he serves them. He gets down on his knees and he washes their feet and he says, now that I've done this for you, do this for one another. He projected a new command. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. And he continues in this way. And they actually call it Jesus' farewell address. And he took the Seder service and he transformed it, revealing the sacrificial love that he has for us and the expectation of that for others. As he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. All of us, all together. Jesus, though, did more than just the teaching. Jesus did more than just the modeling. At this point, in this passage, Jesus is praying. It's like, Jesus is praying? I mean, you, you know, he, so he does all this. You think he's putting out the words out there and, okay, now do it, and we're off. But Jesus models for us something very, very important, which is prayer. Because he says, you know, I've taught it, I've modeled it, but now I need to place this in the Father's hands, which is what we're all supposed to do. Because the reality is, what Jesus is asking of us cannot be done without the power of God. It cannot be done. You know, Jesus' prayer, he says it's for believers, and it's for believers of all time. So if you can imagine, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for me. And that's pretty cool because we have to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do anything that God wants us to do. 
We can try and try and try, but if we don't have God in us, we can't do it. And so why did Jesus pray? Because we needed that power. We had to be given over. It says that um, I have, in verse 22, I have given them, given us, the glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So what does it mean to have the glory? Well, the glory is not just a head knowledge that, yeah, God, God is there and that's okay and he said to be nice. God said to be good. No, no. The glory is the supernatural indwelling of the Spirit of God that empowers us to live the love that Jesus gave to us. And throughout this, he just kept saying, just as I did, just as, just as, just as. And it's like, wow, that's big. It says that we may be as one as we, Jesus and the Father, Father and Son, as we are one, so that we, as a community of people, will be one just as they are one, so that we may be brought into complete unity. Complete unity. So why did he pray? Because it's hard. It's way too hard for us. That all of us may be one just as I am in you and you are in me as father and son, just as with a father-son, a radical indwelling of God, a radical love of caring, supporting, encouraging, just as God loved us, other-focused, seeing the God in other, just as the relationship with the father and the son sharing in the mutual, reciprocal love of God as a people together because we love one another. You see, God loves us, and so we love each other. That's the point, and we do it because of love. We do what we do as a family of God because of God's great love for us. God loved us first, and that love fills us up so that we can be loving to others. And without that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, without that indwelling of God's love that transforms us, we can be nice. You know, I know a lot of people that don't know God who are nice. But what God calls us to is far more than nice. Far more than nice. You know, the Christian faith is not an individual faith. It's not me and my God. It's not an individual practice. It's we and our God together. It's all of us, to the point where when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, he didn't say, my Father, who art in heaven. He said, our Father, us together, our Father, where two or three are gathered in my name, our Father. And so community relationships within the body of Christ is an essential aspect of being a Christian. It's an essential aspect of being the church. It must happen. It's oneness. Oneness. That oneness means that we're in unity together. Unity, but not uniformity. 
you know, that's, it's not we are Borg and we will assimilate you. You know, that's just weird. It's, it's more the unity of we as a people of God acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, and we have accepted that. And by accepting that in a reciprocal, mutual relationship, we are compelled by the love of God to be loving to others just as Jesus loved. And Jesus loved in powerful ways. You know, we've been looking at Winnie the Pooh as an example of this. And I love it as an example because you got lots of little critters all trying to figure out how to get along together. And they love each other in spite of all their differences. And the wonderful thing about Tiggers is that Tiggers are the only one. <laughs> the only one. Just like we're the only one of who we are. But, you know, in, in this scene we're going to see Tigger thinks, well, you know, I, but I want a Tigger family. I want a whole Tigger family. And in this scene, the critters try to help him out. Let me just check it out. Surprise! My very own one and only family? Come in, come in, come in. Gee, it's nice to have all the Tiggers getting together like this, huh? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Who's up for some family-type fun and games? You look like a fun-loving type of fella. <laughs> I know. Let's all do what Tiggers do best. <laughs> and that would be bouncing, of course. Oh, of course. Yes, what a bouncing. So They have a wonderful family together. Tigger's family. Tigger's family? <laughs> you didn't have to go looking for them. But but I got a letter and and it said that that it was right. <clears throat> Dear Tigger, just a note to say. Dress warmly. Eat well. Stay safe and sound. Keep smiling. Always there for you. Signed, your family. You mean, you fellas are my family? I'm afraid we have nothing better to offer. 
Well, of course not, Pooh Boy. <laughs> Cause there's nothing better than the best. I love Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I do. I love Winnie the Pooh. It's it, there's so much in that, you know. God doesn't call us to become someone else. You know, poor Eeyore bounds. That's <laughs> like we can't do that. God made us each to be uniquely us. And us together as a family. And Pooh Bear saying, you know, I'm afraid it's the best we have to offer. There's nothing better than the best if we have the love of God in us. We're all broken people who are healed and empowered by the love of God. And that's what brings us together and creates in us a family of God unified as one through the love of God. So... The cast of characters, you know, Rabbit and Tigger, they're like polar opposites, but they love each other anyways, and they may clash every once in a while, but they work it out. They work it through. You know, I, I, pers I personally identified with each and every one of those characters at some point in my life, and Sunday afternoons, I really feel like Pooh Bear. You know, you just want to do a lot of nothing and sleep a lot and really focused on food. <laughs> it's like... It's like, and luckily my family understands that. She's like, she's going horizontal. Uh, it's a, but we all understand. Everybody has different moments where we all experience these things, different types of personalities. And we love each other, not only in spite of all those differences, but because of all those differences. Because some of those differences actually inspire us to grow Right? God puts different people in our lives for that reason. So in this room, there's also a different set of characters. You've got the disciples who are all together. And the disciples are this mishmash of people, too, with very strong personalities. Right from Matthew, who works for the government as a tax collector, to Simon, who's a zealot working against the government. And they're loving each other anyways. And then the first church, the early church, you had all sorts of different people. The Jews were with the Gentiles. The slave owners were with the slaves. The merchants were with the Roman centurions. Men were with women. It was a family thing, and it was a huge witness. And the entire Christian faith spread because what happened was unusual because usually people just click out. They want to be with their own, and that's it. And I find people just like me who think like me, and, and we're going to be together, and that's it. But, this, but a family of God is not that. A family of God is people who their common foundation, the oneness, is God. And that's what brings us together. And so we do life together. That's what it means to do, be the church. We do life together. We love together. And we become a community of believers. You know, one of the greatest ways you can become part of this community is to participate in the adult study out at 1015. It's a wonderful opportunity where you get to sit and talk and share because we want to be able to open up and draw close to one another. And I want to encourage you to do that because we are all called to grow in relationship within the church family. It is honestly essential for our faith and, hear this, essential for the faith of everyone else. You know, we are living in an isolated, divided, superficial world right now. People are longing for authentic relationships, a place to belong, where people will accept us and love us, and we can accept and love in return. 
You know, studies have shown that the feeling of isolation and loneliness in today's society is at an all-time high. And we're not coping with it. We're not. And we're really not modeling really well for our children in it either. Our children have no idea how to make real connections anymore. It's, it's hard. You know, when we, when we go into our brokenness, which we will all experience because life is hard, when we experience times of pain and times of, of loneliness and all these different times, what we end up doing most often is we self-medicate in some way. We self-medicate through our busyness or life, uh, 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 Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram. We self-medicate with alcohol, drugs, sex, food, television, whatever it is. And the real connection with people, people who have more to share than being nice, people who share and carry the love of God, isn't there because we've not taken the time and effort to build those relationships you know, life is hard, and we need each other. We are in a selfie society, and it's all about me and my God. Me and my God. You know, we have one of the things that shows us exactly what's kind of going on in the church that, that illustrates brokenness is the idea that we have volunteers. I'd like to do away with the whole word volunteer. I know we won't, I know it's kind of ingrained, but the reality is nobody volunteers in their faith. When the word volunteer is ever used in, in scripture, and it's not used very often, it means generous willingness. But in today's society, what volunteering means is that I am going to do this because it suits me for what I want to do in my time, my way, if it's convenient, and if nothing better comes up. That's not what God calls us to be. That's not what God calls us to do. I don't want a volunteer. In fact, every single ministry in this church could use people. We really need people. But I don't want a single volunteer. What I want are servants. That whole just as thing, Jesus got down on his knees and washed their feet. Just as God loved, and so we love others. So what does it do if we volunteer and we don't have that commitment to our church family? We serve. We, we serve because we love, because we love God and we love others. We serve, and that's what we're called to do. But in our selfie generation, in this generation of me and mine, we so often miss the entire point. Do we really have that love? Do we really build it up? Are we building one another up? Some people say for relationship, this whole relationship thing, you know, I don't have time for that. Well, I'm going to tell you straight out, you don't have time not to do that. You don't have time not to take the time to build relationships within the church body. Oh, I got relationships off other places. You know, I've got some buds at work. If your buddies at work are the same thing as what you experience at the body of Christ, then we've got some work to do. Because really, truly, we are supposed to be carrying the love of God, which is far different. Just as, think of what just as means. Just as, Jesus. Oh, my word. 
See, the thing is, you've been called to this church. And when you're called to this church, that means God has a purpose for you, and it's far beyond doing any kind of ministry. You are called to this church because someone here needs you. We all need each other. But God has a, a place for you in someone's heart where you can minister to them. How many of us here have been ministered to by somebody in this church? Someone who's lifted us up, carried us through, prayed for us. You know, and this is really hard for some people. You know, especially guys, they're like, I'm not doing that old sharing thing. You know, it's like, really? Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they were all dudes. <laughs> And, and when it, the going gets tough, and it will, we want the love of God to be there for us. We want the love of God of people who will encourage us and rejoice along with us, who will pray with us, who will hold us accountable. You know, we have to be careful with some of that. We have to become a community of God and that means we have to become the just as for ourselves so that we can be that just as for others. Com being in community is extremely difficult because we have a whole different cast of characters in our 100-acre wood here. But you know, throughout the scriptures, it says one another, what you do with one another, one another, one another. And I'd love for you to go home and like do a word search, one another. But here's just some examples. We are to accept one another, submit to one another, serve one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, carry one another's burdens, be patient with one another, bear with one another, encourage one another, care for one another. And the list goes on and on and on. And it's often, often said, love one another. And that means we need to also be a safe community. That means that when, when people share, you know, we don't, it doesn't get spread. You know, we, we have confidentiality because we're a safe place and we hold people in our hearts and people can build trust because we're in a tight enough, strong enough relationship with one another. It means that we lift one another up and encourage them. It means that, yes, we hold one another accountable, but we do it with grace not judgment, because we're all broken, and we all sin, and we all fall short. But if we can help guide and say, you know, I just want to tell you, you're kind of heading in the wrong direction here. Is there something I can do? I'm going to pray for you. It's really hard. That's, I think, the hardest part of being in relationship is, is having enough vulnerability and trust to be able to really hold one another accountable. And that's what God calls us to do. Jesus prayed this prayer knowing who these disciples were, knowing that the disciples were messed up, made lots of mistakes, and knowing that the very next thing he was doing was going to the cross. They left from this prayer to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's arrested. And he knows that these disciples are going to betray him. He knows it. And yet he prays for them. Just as. Can we love like that? 
Can we be in relationship like that? Because here's the thing. Jesus has a whole other section in here that he's talking about because one of the biggest parts of us being in a loving relationship with that, like that with one another is that that is the witness. That is the witness. People look in and say, wow, that's a place where people really love each other. That's a place where I can belong. That's a place where I can be in relationship. That's a place where people are lifted up, where people are carried through, where people are prayed for, people are cared for. I want that too. And they experience God's love through seeing our love for one another. And through that, we can transform the world. Do we want to transform the world? Oh, my word. <laughs> I think, I don't know about that, you know. (laughs) We, through the power of God, through the love of God, can, by our loving God and loving others, can transform the world. Transform the world by our witness of love. Wow. We draw people to the love of God by how they see us loving one another with an uncommon community, a diverse people, unified through Christ and living and loving as Christ loved us. It's a radical love for God, for one another, and that witness transforms the world. And they're going to know we're Christians by our love. I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing this thing.
talked about these loving relationships and having it based on God, I pray that God convicted each and every one of us for where we need to grow. Because we are so me and my God, and we really need to open our arms wider. And so as we prepare for the table, I invite you to a prayer of confession. Lord, I am a sinner. I need your grace. I've not always loved I've not always shared. I've not always cared. I've not always reached out. I've been self-focused. I've been self-focused. Forgive me, Lord. Build me up. Fill me with your love. And may your love free me to love one another as you loved me. Amen. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us. Us, all of us. While we were still sinners. And this proves God's love for you and for me. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And you know, at this time we go into something called the sharing of the peace. And the sharing of the peace is actually taken from when Jesus came at Easter and, and shared the peace of the Spirit. And traditionally through the church, they would actually do the kiss of peace. So this morning, when I know you're all terrified. You're not going to make us kiss, right? <laughs> Kissing them. No, no. Because the point is, the point is that, and you know, it's flu season. Let's, you know, a shoulder or whatever, you know, really. <laughs> we, we, we don't have to. We can wave. It's like, but the point is that this is, the sharing of the peace is far more than just a holy howdy, hey, hi. This is, I have now recognized that God loves me and that fuels me to love you. And I'm going to share that. And it's a time of reconciliation and of sharing and of caring and preparing for when we go and celebrate the table that is for us. So I invite you now to share the peace of the Holy Spirit with one another. Peace. Peace, okay. my brother. Yeah. You were choking up a little bit. <laughs> I still got this lingering cough. Peace of Christ. Jack's back there. I don't know if he's going to...
God gave us special ways of serving, special ways of being community. Do you hear the word in holy communion? It's a time that we gather together, that we share with Christ, with God, the love that he has given us so that we can be in unity with one another. When we come to the table, we share that unity. When we come to the table, we share in Christ as Christ prayed that we would. We receive power. We receive all that God has for us. That's why everyone's welcome at the table. If you love God, if you repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as disciples of Jesus Christ, you are welcome to share in communion in God's community. So come. Doesn't matter if you're a member here or not. Doesn't matter if you're a member in any church. If you have come seeking the love of God this morning, and seeking to be one who can love others with Christ's love, you are welcome to come to the table here. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity made covenant to be our sovereign God and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. In his baptism and in table fellowship, he took his place with sinners. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection. You gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit so that we might serve as you served. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. He said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood 
the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us. As we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together? the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward? Thank you. 
Come and worship God. Come and be part of the wonderful community that is the body of Christ. If you like, you can stop at the rail for prayers, anointing with oil. You can light a candle to represent your prayer as well. Come with the community of faith in Christ's name.
Please stand if you're able as we sing together, O Church of God United. love go in the love of God inspired to love just as God loved us go in his peace amen <laughs> 